Yes, team, welcome back to the Listen Whilst You Step podcast. And today we are joined by a very special man, Ross. A massive welcome to the show. How are you doing, my man? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Um, obviously, me and Ross, God, we've probably known each other not that long now, but we met at a event kind of properly, I suppose, um, back in January, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. First, yeah, obviously, we've been in the, the same sort of groups, but the first time we, we actually met and said hello. Yeah, and shot the shit and got overwhelmed by a crazy amount of business knowledge i know i walked away from that day like my head absolutely scrambled but dude on the podcast i just love to get people on who have been successful in their own right they've pushed their own limits they've ultimately reached close to what they perceive as their full potential um and just like to pick their brains see what their lessons are they've learned from things but dude i know you were a professional sportsman weren't you so do you want to just give everyone a a little bit of an insight into who is ross and a bit of your background uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I can't really say I was a professional sportsman. I was an SNC in, in professional sport uh, for yeah. 22 years. Uh, yeah. So I started in, well, in always in cricket. So I started in Somerset in 2000. You know, probably long before some of your guys were born. Uh, my, my, si- my, my sister was born in 2000. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> the stupid thing is, like someone says, sort of 2003 at the moment, and I, I think that's about five years ago. That's 20 years ago. Scary, that's isn't right. it? I just and I just saw I got off a tangent. Just saw the Fifty Cent album "Get Rich or Die Trying." Twenty years old today. I'm like, my God, it's one of my favorite albums. I'm so old. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, did, I did five years there, uh, and then at 24, I went to North Ants Cricket as lead SNC. Um, did five years there, and then got headhunted to come across to Worcester uh, and lead up the SNC at Worcester Cricket. And I did 12 years there, so 22 in total. Um, and, and then I left December 21 to concentrate on my, my full-time business which is cricket strength yeah absolutely and it's going from strength to strength to strength obviously i'll leave all the links below so if anybody is looking um for ross's details you can go and check it out but mate 22 years is a long time in the industry you must have seen some seen it evolve a lot oh mate do you know what because i know we spoke because your your rugby background and it's cricket almost went through a similar thing to rugby did in 95 when Rugby suddenly went from the World Cup in 95 and then it went professional sort of straight after. Cricket sort of evolved similarly. Now, I started in 2000 in the guys, so professional teams, and it was six-month season. And then the six-month off-season, they had to work. So I was there, did the first season and everything, thinking we'd just continue training in the winter. And then I'd be like, oh, where are the guys then? You know, oh, he's at the accountants or, you know, he's doing with estate agents and stuff like that. So it was like, wow, okay, well, this is a bit of a different world then. Mm. completely different from what i imagined it being um and it was it was pretty much semi-professional the gym programs were horrific you know the the players would go to a, a public gym and their programs were the same as uh, a 55 year old housewife who came in just to drop a little bit of weight and she was on the same plan <laughs> as an international uh, fast bowler and even then i i've always had a bit of an analytical mind and i got stopped from playing when i was 16 because of shin splints and I thought, what the fuck? How, you know, surely there must be something else you can do for me apart from say, well, you just got to stop playing. So I was there thinking, well, this can't be right. You know, how how can how can a six foot six in England fast bowler be given the same program as Brenda, who's put on a bit of weight over Christmas? You know, yeah. so um, yeah, it, it evolved quite quickly. In its summer Somerset, we were the, at the forefront of it as well. They had a couple of coaches there, young coaches who were keen to really pushed the boundaries and, and changed mm. things. A lot of the players were keen. Um, we had a ex 
Royal Marine who came in to head up the fitness there. Um, and the guy who was doing the physio was an ex doorman. Um, it was a meathead. So he liked the strength stuff. Yeah. But we, we sort of evolved and we had a few players there who wanted to work hard. So I think 2002 was the first year where most of the boys just trained all winter as well. And it really took off. But it took another five years until the ECB, which is the English cricket board, actually said, um, right, we need to, everyone should be training all year round now. So I think yeah. 2007, it's only, what, 15 years ago. So yeah. cricket's only been fully professional for that time, which is which is mad when you think back on it. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it evolves as well. And now I suppose you've probably got GPS tracking, absolutely everything. Oh, mate, yeah. yeah. Mo well, most counties have. It, yeah. I sort of managed to miss all the money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, from um, 2000 to 2004 when I left, I think we won one trophy, but we were a small team. You know, we had a, a gym called The Pit, which was basically like an old cow shed, um, yeah. freezing cold. We had some secondhand kit in there, real, like Rocky Forsyth stuff, you know, like... Um, a dream. Oh, mate. But it was great. The boys would go in there and just get the music blaring and get lifting and stuff. Like when I look back now, the training wasn't great, you know, but it, it was the first steps to evolve. So, yeah, and, and then I went to, to North Answer. We had no money. I had to get on eBay to get kit in, and then at Worcester as well. It was literally no money. So even though there's been a lot of uh, sort of progress and a lot of money and a lot of the game, um, yeah, I sort of managed to miss it all. <laughs> well, we're here now, and obviously you're building an incredible business, which is uh, amazing to see. But how, how, how did you get into training yourself then? Obviously, you mentioned the shin splints. Was that kind of the big catalyst? No, I, you know what? I was um, a child of the 80s. So I grew up watching Arnie, Sly, um, Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, those guys. And, and you know, Arnie was my big hero. And mm. so, you know, I, I remember badgering and badgering my mum and dad for weights for a home gym. And I got the old, um, you're pretty young to remember, but Argos used to sell these dumbbells. and, and the, the, York, the York spin lock collar ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Plastic filled with concrete. Um, and so I had them in the garage. I reckon I was about 13, 14. Um, mm. and I just got into training then and I loved it. It was my little escape. I was a chubby little kid. Um, so to actually get into training was, was really good, um, yeah. and enjoyable. So yeah, that was, that was my first thing. And I, I could never get my head around why people wouldn't want to train. You know, for me, it's just like, what, you, what you're not going to train. You don't train, you don't do anything at all. Mm. So for me, it just became a, a bit of a sort of lifestyle thing. And then it, once I sort of got injured and couldn't play, it sort of took another path then. It was like, right, well, there's more to training. There's more. I want to to understand the human body. And that's been my biggest thing is actually diving in, um, understanding what happens. And in cricket, you know, fast bowling is such a unique um, thing to do. It's one of the hardest things on the body. You know, we talk about rugby, you know, you're getting smashed by a 20 stone um, prop or something obviously it's hard because the impact but with bowling you got sort of eight times of body weight going through the front leg you've got so many sort of twists in the spine and so there's there a lot of injuries happen so I almost had a crusade to think right how how can we help this because throughout the sort of my career and all the the chat was that you can't help it you know you're going to get injured because you bowl and I just mm. thought what the fuck you know how fucked up is that we so we're just blaming the bowling on injury so yeah it took me on the path of 
a bit of a crusade, like I said, of I don't want people to get injured. I don't want a 16-year-old to be like I was, loving the game, starting to get noticed, and then uh, a complete season's taken away from you with yeah. nothing else behind it, you know? Yeah. So uh, so that that's where I went with it, really. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think it's so interesting. We both got into training in a very similar way, like ridiculously similar. Like, um, it's funny because we'd never even spoken about this. Like, I looked at, like, dude, sports has been my life. Ever since I came out of the womb, I was playing everything. Like, I was playing 20 hours of tennis a week at the age of, like, 12, 13. Um, and I used to look at all these athletes. It'd be, like, Nadal, and they'd be, like, Johnny Wilkinson. All my people I literally see as, like, some of my biggest role models were kids. And I used to just envy just how they looked and how they performed. And I remember literally filling up... Uh, empty tennis ball tubes with stones and doing like lateral raises in my, in my, uh, in my bedroom. My mom and dad would come up and say, like, what the hell is that grunting coming from a 13 year old boys? Don't, don't <laughs> shut. How they not? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so interesting. But the biggest thing that, um, spiked my interest there was just the curiosity you had. Mm. Um, even just like the whole, everything you were talking about there is constantly like, does this have to be the way you constantly seem like you're challenging the people telling you it has to be one way. Oh, mate, yeah. It, and it probably comes from my dad, I think. My dad um, gave me advice, and I didn't use it. He just said, you know, when you're in trouble or, or when your mum tells you off, say yes, no, or sorry. And my, my first thought, no, if I'm not fucking wrong, I'm not going to say yes, no, or sorry. And it's just, I've just questioned everything. And and, and that's one of the messages I say to on my social media to players. Question, don't just get given a program or a bit of advice and think that's gospel. You can always say why, and it's you know for anyone. And if you're working with someone, whether it be a PT, a SNC, a physio, a coach, and they ask you to do something, you're within your rights to say, okay, well, why? You know, you don't have to ask it like a cunt. You can sort of say, you know, can you ask? Can you just explain exactly why? Because the way my brain works is that I like to know the minutiae of what's going on. If someone can't then do that, then there's a good chance you shouldn't you do the drill. You know, mm. and that's what's in cricket at the moment. There is, we basically had a load of SNCs come in from rugby. You know, they got kicked out of rugby. They came into cricket and they brought the same training for a completely different game, completely like different impacts. Like we said, rugby is a collision sport with fast bowling because that's where the injuries are. It's completely different. And they started to train these cricketers <laughs> like mm. rugby players. There was this six foot seven lad, um, batter. At Leicester, who got back squatted the fuck, and he had to retire because back injuries. You know, and so for me, it was just like all the time. Because someone said it to me early, "Oh, we've done well with injuries this year, so it's probably going to bite us in the ass next year." And I was like, "Why? Why? Why? Why does it have to?" You know, and I'm talking about um, muscular injuries mainly or overuse injuries. So we're talking about hammies, groins, um, shoulders, stress mm -hmm. fracture of the back, ACLs. For me, we shouldn't accept that it's just going to happen. If someone gets split into and broken leg from a collision, or you know, from a cricket ball hitting the hand, and you, and you that you can't avoid that. But these other injuries, you can avoid. You can absolutely yeah. avoid. And the stuff I've gone into, the stuff I've learned, I've pissed off so many people. You know, particularly in my industry, particularly at the ECB, because I've just questioned it. And people don't like to be questioned, but it goes back to my point. People don't like to be questioned. Then how much sort of validity is there behind what they say? Yeah. One of my, uh, one of my favorite kind of quotes or one-liners is uh, if someone can't explain something on a sticky note to you, they probably don't understand it well enough. Oh, mate. 
I think particularly in the strength and conditioning industry or even the coaching industry as a whole, you get so many people who just blur information at people and they use these big fancy words that the client or the, the person doing the program doesn't understand but they're only using those words because they're trying to inflate their own ego or impress another coach when really they don't actually understand it. Um, And I think there's so so much takeaway that what I took away from that massively was just your focus on being able to control the controllables Mm -hmm. in terms of going, right, look, there's certain things you can't control, but what can you control? So if you were, if you had a young athlete come to you, okay, good talent, works hard, wants to push the limit, see what he's capable of. What advice would you give that young athlete? Right. So the first advice is follow data. Have someone near you who can assess things for you. And then you follow that data line. Um, so for me, so if someone came onto my one-to-one plan, the first thing we do is a, is a movement screen. Because I call that the roadmap. You know, I understand exactly what's going on with your body. It's like, I think, six or seven very simple sort of movements from home. Um, uh, and some are capacity, some are sort of movement and range-based but whatever the results there, I suddenly know, right, this guy's got, you know, his thoracic's no good. He's got no hip internal rotation. His glutes aren't great. You know, his rotation recall, whatever it might be, ankles. And so you then follow the path. And so for a young player, it would be to get someone who can explain, like you said, explain everything or paint the vision first. Say, right, you're here. You can be here. To get there, you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's not going to be linear because success never is. We might go three steps forward, two back, four, uh, four forward, three back, whatever it might be. Um, but as long as you're, you've got a target to get to and you've got a, a um, everything in place, step-by-step guide, then there's no stopping you. There's yeah. no stopping you. Uh, and that's the thing. A lot of people haven't. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, you, you, mate, you probably saw it in rugby. There's probably youngsters with great talent, with poor work ethic, or good talent at a young age who think, well, I'm just going to keep getting better. People overtake And then coast. Yeah. Yeah. The old coasting's a killer. And that's what we saw with the youngsters in professional sport. They'd get a Mm. um, academy contract. Jesus Christ. They would then just think they'd made it. And the trouble is, again, I'm old school. You know, when I was, when I first came through, um, you had a home dressing room, first team dressing room. If you weren't in the first team squad, you had to knock the door to come in. You know, you'd be seen and not heard. You had yeah. to work like stink to get your first kit with your name on the back. Now they get it at the academy. And now they complain. They complain if they, oh, I've only got one pair of shorts. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, so part of my reason yeah. for leaving was like, I'm struggling now. I'm struggling with these kids because I can't do half the stuff I used to be able to do with them. You even tell someone off. You're getting told off because we should be thinking about their feelings and this and that. It's like, well, fucking hell, what is going yeah. on? So it's, um, yeah, if you, some of the ones I saw really thrive were the ones who didn't have it easy. You had to work for it. You had to fucking turn up, you know, travel an hour a day to get to training. Those sorts of people have got the inner determination when it's not easy. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. It takes me back to my first ever rugby rugby social with the, the first team. And, uh, <laughs> there was me and my best mate, Johnny, in uh, budgie smugglers and bow tie. We had to serve everyone drinks all night, just getting hold of use. The, the belt was coming out, everything. It was like, I look back, but that's like, one, it gave me a level of respect. And people will look at that and be like, oh, it shouldn't be that way. But oh, like, 
you get like taken into the team and everyone has that kind of like-minded thing of they know that they've put the work in to get there and there's no better feeling when um you get accepted into that team like i personally i'm all for it i think obviously there's a line let's not be stupid but um yeah i think uh, we've all got soft to say the least (laughs) it's so soft and it's a worry because i don't see how it comes back now because I think now, you know, what can you do? You know, you can't do anything. If someone doesn't want to do something, you're stuck. I mean, I remember some coaches having a go at me saying, you know, you've got to get X player. You've got to make them lose two stone. <clears throat> How do you want me to do it? I've given them everything nutrition-wise, everything training-wise. I can't be there 24-7 making sure he's not eating donuts. I can't yeah. do that. And it's, like, it's that whole thing of there's, there's no sort of backup anymore. There's mm. no sort of – because coaches are weak as well. And, and you feel for coaches, you know, some of them are new age and a little bit funky, but the old school ones, they haven't got a clue what to do, you know? So yeah. it's, um, I think, yeah. it, I think, I think a lot of stuff kind of pivoted, like over kind of came back. It's like, I think strength and conditioning went, or just even coaching went through a stage where it was like, Hey, strength an effective session is how how hard can i make someone work how much can i fuck someone up and then it's almost gone like too soft and then even just the communication the discipline the standards that people hold people to it's like oh i can't i can't upset them i was like uh i was listening to a podcast this one it was like i'd rather you hate me and me help you than you like me and you and you stay exactly where you are and i think yeah. we probably both get it i know i do some sometimes clients hate me for the how hard i am on them but then three weeks later they go Actually, I needed that. Um, so, because you do, you're doing it from a place of love, essentially. Exactly. Like for me, some of the players I was hardest on, I'm best friends with them now. You know, best friend, two of two guys at Northlands, and they were 17 when I went there, and I rode the back out of them for a few years because I knew they had talent, but they were lazy little fucks. Mm. And now we're in a, we're in a WhatsApp group. We speak every day. Uh, we and they they pissed themselves. There was a session I did with them at the grounds in, in November. It was freezing, and the big water coolers that you that you put in the water thing, they had to get that off and run around the outfield with them above their heads and stuff. And they still talk about that session now. Is something that which clicked in their heads. Right, this is hard work now. We got to switch on. Mm. You know, so um, yeah, that that's the thing. When you're working someone hard, if it's from a place of love and you're not being a bully, then. Yeah. You're gonna get. They're, they're gonna at some point it will click with them. Right, he's doing this to help me. He's not doing yeah. this to be a, an asshole. This is trying to help me. I also think that comes from uh, doing it yourself. If they know for a fact that you would have done it, then they would they, like they wouldn't have done. It. Like I always say to my clients, I wouldn't make you do anything that I wouldn't do or haven't done, because yeah. that's when it just becomes ingenuous, and that's when I think people end up start trying to chop each other down. Um, so fast forward now, like what 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 does your training look like now? Obviously. Is it still involved in cricket stuff or is it now? Where is it now? Uh, I, yeah, my personal training, you mean? Yeah. So now, I, yeah, I do something very different. Now, I went back a few months ago um, to, to a, I went to a trainer, a trainer actually I went to uni with, because I went to uni when mm-hmm. I was 30 and so he was only 18. Because um, I was just a little bit, you know, you know, you know what it's like when you haven't got someone to set a plan for you, you can skip between things. So you start the week off and I thought, right, well, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do a little bit of that. And then I'm going to, and you talk yourself out of stuff as well. You know, so I went to someone, I said, right, let's, um, let's go for it now. I want to put on a little bit of size again and do that. So That's I've been back sort of, um, not, I wouldn't call it bodybuilding, strength training slash bodybuilding. But I fucked my shoulders up. Uh, <laughs> I've done the pec insertions on both sides. So no. I can't press it. Yeah, I've done, I can't uh. press it at the moment. Um, but what I am doing 
is something I haven't done for years and years. Is a lot more lower body, just hitting the squats, hitting the RDLs heavy, um, getting into leg pressing, geez, stuff I've never done really in hitting the lower body. And you yeah. do find the the benefits for your overall physique. You know, when you smash that lower body. Now this, I'm going to sound like a right hypocrite because this is the stuff I never get my players doing because it goes totally against what they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, as a physique wise and just training wise. You know, you know, when you finish a fucking disgusting lower body session, there's nothing quite like it. Nothing nope. quite like <laughs> it at all. So, um, yeah, that that's yeah. more of what I'm doing at the moment. Love it. We're, we're opposites. I would train lower body all day, every day over upper body. I think it's because I, I, I think I've squatted. I can guess that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've squatted twice a week since the about the age of eleven. Um, yeah. Literally, all I did: squat, deadlift, pull up, weighted press up. That was my program for like five years uh my snc coach when we first started it was like just be quick move well and foundations just get freaky strong just get freaky strong and touch wood i, I like to think it paid off it helped with rugby helped with tennis helped with everything it gave me a foundation for everything i think people just massively overcomplicate stuff especially in the early years when it could just be do your basics do your fundamentals and move well yeah. um dude it sounds like kind of coaching mentorship obviously went to uni um your coach yourself and now you've got another coach for other things. It sounds like coaching and mentorship, obviously we're part of the same business mastermind as well, has played such a big part in your life. Um, where does that come from? And what advice would you give people um, who are potentially find themselves in a point where they want to push the boundaries and reach their full potential? But for me, I, I don't know what you do without a coach. For, for it, well, Yeah, coach and mentor. You know, if, whatever you do, whatever job, whatever you want to do and you, you, with your physique or your sport, you can't reach it without someone to help you. You really can't. You know, you know, we've both come from a sport background trying to run a business now. So we've got, you know, probably the best business mentor. Um, and I think, you know, especially sportsmen, we need it because we're not natural businessmen. We need to, we need that help. But then like I said, for physique, I need someone to tell me because we know what to do. Every fucking, it, it wouldn't be nutrition as well. I'd be amazed if anyone actually doesn't understand if they want to lose some weight, the foods you need to eat. Every fucker does it, but no one, everyone, everyone knows it, but not many people do it. So then you go to someone who can help you to do it, you know, mm -hmm. to, to give you that accountability, to give you the structures in place and all those sorts of things, you know, and that, you know, I know that's what you guys do unbelievably well is give people that framework, almost a tent pegs to say, this is what you need to do. So, you have to have one, no matter what sort of part of your life. You know, we've got the internet now, so you can go and research stuff yourself. But without accountability, nothing means, you know, everyone should be walking around with a six-pack, shredded, feeling amazing, mm -hmm. you know, all their testosterone through the roof, fit D levels, all, all that. Everyone should be, because the information's out there. But without accountability, pretty much means shit. Yeah, we don't get paid for information. I know plenty of very, very smart coaches who are in fucking awful shape. Yeah. <laughs> knowledge doesn't knowledge knowledge doesn't get you in shape. Doing fucking work gets you in shape. Um, and like you said, accountability. I think the other thing is like if you look, sure, you can go and scroll and find yourself. You can flip through Instagram, you can go on Google, you can go on YouTube, and it might take you 10 years to achieve the result you want, or you can invest a small amount of money into a coach and they can help you get there in literally a tenth of the time it's just an ability to fast track results i know coaches and mentors have played such a key part in my life I wouldn't be where i am who i am without 
any of them. And that comes down to tennis coaches, rugby coaches, SNC coaches, business mentors. Um, and I don't think I will ever not have a coach in my life. Um, dude, what, what was the best part of your career or in the cricket space? Do you know what? I An overall best part was I woke up every day until my last few months loving what I did. Absolutely loving it. I got to not grow up. I got to be in um, in the changing room with the boys, um, having a laugh most of the time. It's sport, you know, you know, we get to if it's a sunny day and there's a big crowd, you thought, fucking, I'm getting paid for this. Not much, but I'm getting paid for this, you know, and it was brilliant. You know, we had we won the T twenty blast in 2018 at Edgebaston, celebrating in front of the fans there packed crowd oh it was unbelievable you know yeah. you you can't replace that and that's the thing i miss the most now um so yeah i think just every day going you know a lot of good lads some absolute assholes too but was the way to, <laughs> yeah oh, mate it, the, the environment there of just taking the piss everyone taking the piss out of each other but then helping people now that that's the thing and what i do now i love it when i get a message you've changed my life you know, helping people from one path to another, whatever it may be, you know, it's just, it's magic. You know, I bet you've had people who've probably lost 10K, changed their lives, their self-esteem's gone through the roof, and they've said, Simon, thank you so much. You know, so so I, I do miss, I, I miss um, I miss the smell of the cut grass on the big game, uh, and yeah. I miss the boys, and I just, yeah, that sort of thing, but, yeah. so other than that, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, fantastic yeah. life, but you know, I'm 43 now. I'm on to the next stage, and now I'm I'm enjoying challenging myself because there's nothing quite as challenging as working for yourself. You know, <laughs> because Jesus say that Christ, again. There's <laughs> some accountability there, you know, because you've got to pay the mortgage. You know, yeah. you got your missus and the kid and the dog. Think they need they need feeding. You know, so um, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a different kind of accountability, but it, it, I, I think I love it. You know, because you... you just can't ease out of it. Do you think sports has made you a better businessman and entrepreneur? Oh, that's a great question, mate. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, I'm not sure as I think it's in you. I think mm. it's in you. I've always had this thing in my mind where I, I can't settle. I can't settle. Um, you know, in um, when I see people struggling by and, you know, in a job, worrying about the job, worrying about what someone's been talking about them when they go in on the Monday and and not taking the life in, in your own hands in whatever that looks like. You know, not everyone's going to go and run their own business. But I, I think I've just always had the mindset as I can't settle for whatever it is. You know I'm exactly I'm exactly the same. I'm yeah, born with exactly. something inside of me. I don't know what it is, but I'm fucking thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And probably I don't like authority either. But then saying that I, I like having the mentors. You know, I love going to the Param events knowing that I'm bottom of the rung there. I'm probably one of the oldest, but I've got yeah. the most to learn in terms of business. So I'm like, fucking right, here we go. Fucking, I want to learn, I want to learn. That last session we had, you know, your talk was amazing. And then uh, sure, Laura Lamb sure. came on and I was just gobsmacked, you know, thinking, right, there is so much to fucking do here. But, you know, like I said, rubbing your hands together, let's fucking go. Let's find yeah. how far can we get this? And there was a, a quote from... There was a guy I started listening to called Jim Rohn. I don't know if you heard of him, motivational speaker. I've heard of the name, yeah. 
yeah he's you know he died about 10 years ago probably but going back and listen to some of his stuff and, and he had this quote where people would ask him you know why do you get up so early and he said you'd get up early too if you're heading where i'm heading and just that that whole yeah. mindset of right i don't want to get up early don't get me wrong but right every <laughs> day when i get up i know i'm getting more towards where i want to be and where i want to mm. be is fucking retired by 50 with enough money in the bank living exactly where i want to live uh, you know on a beach somewhere hopefully um and, and so i know that's what i gotta to work towards so that drives mm. me every day yeah i absolutely love that i think that's that it comes back to that curiosity that i uh mentioned at the start that questioning it of like what else is there to learn what else is there? Yeah. i think if you if you can accompany that like curiosity with that absolute like I am never settling for anything but what I perceived as my full potential. Um, like you literally can't lose. And then even add a layer on top of that, you get the right coaches and the right mentorship. Like, and I think too many people look at coaching and mentorship as a cost. Like the I would say the only time it is a cost is if you don't do the fucking work. Because oh, then you don't right. then you don't see the return. If you see the return, it's an investment. Yeah. We, we know that the money we had to invest to, to go in power room and AM. Yep. And I, and I told my missus, I said, listen, I got, this is the amount I got to put in. We looked at each other and then I was like, but it's only a lot of money if I don't do the work. And she said, are you going to do the work? I was like, fucking course I'm going to do the work. And so then it's in the, the money per month then is just the first expense that goes out because that's what's going to help drive forward the most. And like I say, we're health and fitness. How many people waste so much money on a load of fucking clean food because they're starting Monday. Right, I'm starting Monday, so I'm going to go all this food. By fucking Friday, they've not done it. They've fallen off, and they've probably wasted 30 quid a week on veg that, that doesn't get eaten. You know, So invest in yourself. It's not paying someone else. It's, it's in yourself because you're going to get to where you want to be quicker. Yeah, absolutely. From what I can hear here is like you, you've really backed yourself everything you've done, you've backed yourself, whether that be moving cricket clubs, whether that be investing into your own business, starting up your middle whatever it might be. Where, where does that self-belief come from? Because a lot of people I don't, don't know have it. I'm not, I'm not a, when I'm away from this arena, I'm quite shy. I'm quite quiet. I get mm. probably sort of, yeah, I, I'm quite reserved. I just sort of take a step back and listen. But I went to Somerset. I knew no one there. I was nine, 19 or 20. I might have been 20. I knew no one at all in Taunton. I moved there. Right, let's go for it. I went to North Ants, uh, end of 2004. I knew one person there. You know, I didn't. So it's just started. And then Worcester. I know a couple of people in Worcester, but not really. Right, let's go for it. Let's start again. You know, and being 24 and leading the S&C side of it, you know, when you've got sort of 30-year-old married kids, blokes. But I, I've just known, and I'm not an arrogant person, but I know I'm the best in the world at what I do because I've worked so hard for it and I'm never going to stop working. I know the results I get. So I think I've just got that inner belief that, right, I know what I, what I know what I can do. Um, let's go do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just comes from years of saying you're going to do something and actually following through on it. Like I've got a massive belief that's like self-confidence, self-belief comes from keeping your promises to yourself. And this is why I think health and fitness or your transformation or whatever it might be is the catalyst to so much more. Because in most people's life, it's the first fucking time they actually stick to their word and they get in shape. It's the first time they say they're going to do something, they actually do it. And all of a sudden they go, oh, if I actually do the work and stay consistent and achieve it, girl, I'd have no idea what could be more. So I think if you want to push yourself, you want to challenge yourself, you want to get out of your comfort zone, you want to actually show yourself what you're capable of, set a fucking hard challenge. 
It doesn't have to be go and do a fucking Ironman, but if you're not a runner, go and run a 5K. I don't care if it sucks, just go fucking get it done because you might surprise yourself. Lose five kilos, lose three kilos. Um, go and put yourself into a, a new cricket club, whatever it might be, just do something that scares you that's going to get you out of your comfort zone. And if you stick to it, who knows what's on the other side? Ah, oh, mate, 100%, 100%. And I don't know if you probably feel this way. Whenever you've done something that you, you don't want to do, like you, every fucking thing in your body is rallying against this. I don't want to do this. You know, for me, it's going to an event because I hate being sat in a room, a big room with lots of people. Mm. I hate it on with everything in my being. But every time I do it, I come back and fucking, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad yeah. I did that. You, you just remembered, yeah. like, do something today that you're going to thank yourself for tomorrow. Instead mm -hmm. of tomorrow, you think, oh, God, I fucking start it again. Where, shit, I could have started it yesterday. Could have started it a week ago. You know, so is it only then yourself that you have one year, two year, three year, four year? Oh shit, <laughs> I still haven't done it. Forty-three years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, it's so funny because what you said about uh, events there. I got invited out to a business mentorship in Dubai. Um, God, would have been a couple of years ago now, and I nearly didn't come because I was like worried what people were going to think. Didn't want to put myself into that uncomfortable position, and I generally put that one trip changed my life like completely. I wouldn't be in Dubai now. I wouldn't have met my girlfriend. Business wouldn't be where it is. Wouldn't have helped as many people as we have, and it just created a positive loop for me of like, hey, if you do things that are uncomfortable, what's the worst that could happen? worst can happen you just fucking fly home or you just yeah. go oh i tried it it's not for me great next um what was the lowest point of your career oh fucking hell Put, putting you on the spot with these aren't i yeah um <laughs> i tell you what I, I, it's a bit personal this one because I, I moved to i met a girl in, when i just left somerset but i was still living in somerset and, and I fell madly in love, you know, when you're young and you're just like, ah. Uh, and then I moved to North Ants. Um, and, but she basically, just before I moved there, she said, oh, we can't, I, it's not going to work. You know, it's three hours away. And I, I moved to North Ants. I didn't really have anywhere to stay. So I was lodging with someone. I didn't know anyone there. It was a completely different place. And I, for the first two months, I was in a hole. I just thought, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, it's like, I love Somerset. It was almost my uni type years. I wasn't at uni there, but we had a great time. You know, with a second team. Yeah. We'd go out a lot and just have a party all the time. Oh, it was fantastic. As well as learning sort of the other stuff. But so I'd, I'd left my close friends behind. I was away from everything. Um, and for a couple months, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, it was quite a few periods in North Ants that, that weren't easy. There was a period, 2007, over the winter where I would get home from I lived on site in a fucking shithole, which the club gave me instead mm -hmm. of giving me a pay rise. It was next to a halfway house for fucking druggies. So they'd come out of the drug center, go live there. So the yeah. smell be wafting through. Oh mate, fucking a toilet was literally outside and I didn't leave. I would finished training on a, on a lunchtime on a Friday and I wouldn't leave until Monday lunchtime when I went back to work. I literally, I must, like, people can say depression. I don't know what it was, but I couldn't just do anything. So so those periods where I went to North Hans were, were pretty low, mm. were pretty low. But you get through it, you know. And I remember one point in North Hans where I wasn't eating right. Uh, I ballooned up, and I just, I got a camera out. Um, I can't remember what camera was back then, fucking 2007. <laughs> it's probably a Polaroid or something. Uh, I took a picture of myself in my underpants. And I looked at the picture and thought, fucking that's it. Come on, get a grip of yourself. 
And so I just went jogging every morning, started to eat better, um, and slowly came back to me. Um, but yeah, that was that was probably the lowest. Just before um, I left Worcester as well, that was quite low. Um, just there was lots of politics, real toxic environment, some horrible people. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a loyal person and I'll do anything for anyone. And so some people that I'd helped a lot were being pretty snaky, you know, behind my back. So that was quite disappointing and, and yeah. to my partner as well. Um, so that was tough as well. And and just then making the decision, right, I've got to cut this off. Because we're like, we know if it doesn't serve you anymore, why do you still keep doing it? You know, you're not a tree. You don't have to stay there. Um, so, yeah, that was tough. So there, there's a few sort of low moments, um, but you get through it. You know, you yeah. got to get through it. And and that was even, you know, as a as a bloke who wouldn't talk to anyone, but you just get through it, you know, get your head down. Now everyone knows you've got to talk to people, which is great. Uh, but back then there wasn't really yeah, that, that thing. Yeah. I just literally took a accountability for myself, picture of yourself, look at it, and that is your fucking mirror image, isn't it? Right. Yeah. No lying to yourself. Truth, let's go. Yeah. I think it's so like everything you've said is like follows a similar tangent. It's like you back yourself, you focus on what you control, and you're like, just get through it and keep working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you yeah. do? You've got to keep exactly. learning. Keep it's, it's the thing I think people get too caught up in the what they what they can't do instead yeah. of actually focusing on what they can do to move the needle or help themselves or people around them, rather than getting overwhelmed, fucking anxious, whatever it might be, and concentrating on things that you literally have zero control over. Exactly. Like that control to controllables. I know it's a cliche, but fuck me, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. only so many things. And keep it yeah. simple as well. If, if someone goes onto my page and look at my post, it's fucking simple. I, I, I try to word it so, you know, someone who's never trained or, or never done cricket before would understand it, hopefully. And when you keep it that simple, you, you've got a framework to work from. Yeah, absolutely. And it just shows how well you know your craft. So what what's next for us? Well, Jesus. Um, so I want to grow the business. I want to help a lot more cricketers. Uh, there's still a, I don't use a pandemic word because we've had too much of that, but almost a pandemic of injuries for stress fractures in, in fast bowlers. And Imagine. that's my, that's my crusade. You know, I yeah. want to help bowlers. I want to help them understand that there's a way as well, because a lot of the time they get, they get told, oh, you just got to get stronger. Just deal with it. It's like, yeah. well, we can't just get stronger. That's not a way to deal with it. We need to understand mm. the mechanisms, how we put it right. And so yeah. I want to grow it to, to that size. But then I want to help um, other sports people who finish, who drop off playing or coaching, who then want to do this. You know, I, I want to want to help them because, you know, we've probably seen it before. They stop playing and then they launch their own rugby academy cricket academy comes to half term and they'll put a tweet out or something hoping that they're gonna you know do a yeah. business and as we know it's like it's a little bit more intricate not, not not as simple as that if oh, only <laughs> oh jesus you know it's um it's a 24 7 every day isn't it so yeah I, i'd like to to try and help people because one of the big things with cricketers is it's one of the highest rate of suicides is ex-cricketers um, you know they finish playing and they might be on 80 to 100 grand and now you, you know you're lucky to get a 40k job in the game so um, a lot of them you know struggle so I'd love to to be in a position whether through cricket strength or something else where I can either get them on board as a mentor to to a group of players and, and pay them a decent wage 
mm. or, or help them with their own businesses you know something like that uh, i think yeah. i'd love to love to see that but personally yeah. it would be make millions and retire nice yeah i absolutely <laughs> love that i'll see you on the beach <laughs> yeah buddy yeah i love I'll be it oh mate budgie smugglers all the way all the way now we're talking um mate who three people dead or alive you can go for dinner with who's it going to be arnie yeah schwarzenegger definitely the first one um muhammad ali Mm, uh, mindset of just unbelievable proportions um you know just self-belief there we talk about self-belief coming through a racist sort of society to to back yourself the whole thing he did with Vietnam, backing himself again, mm. to keep coming back and coming back. Probably came back one too many times, you know, towards the end of his career. But wow, you know, that that's 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 things no one in this age can think how the hell he, he went through that that level of racism and abuse. And wow. Um so Arnie, Muhammad Ali and Eric Cantona. That'd be a, that'd be an that'd be an interesting dinner. That would be a very interesting. We'll get, get a word in there, but um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Once, once I had someone be like Hitler, Mother Teresa, and then it was like The Rock. I think it was. I was like, that would be a very interesting. Um, the person who said Hitler, he's a he's a mindset coach. Who's like, I just want to dissect his brain and see why did he do it. I was like, to be fair, that would be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler sat next to Mother Teresa. Yeah, yeah exactly. breaking bread together um honestly dude thank you so much for coming on i really really appreciate your time i know you're a busy man um i'll leave all the links in the show description if anybody wants to check ross out obviously make sure you head over give him a follow share this on your social media tag us both and i will see you in the next episode